Let us join in a spirit of prayer. Spirit of life and love, God of many names, we are just three weeks into this new year, a time when we are generally full of hope for the year ahead, and yet the burdens of the past seem to weigh us down. We are weary of fighting the same battles. Didn't we already address that issue last year or 50 years ago? Why do the same demons continue to raise their ugly heads? Just when we thought we knew how to save our children from poverty, racism, and hunger, and a substandard educational system, we find ourselves right back at what seems like the beginning. And yet with the vision of Dr. King that still burns in our hearts, we must enter the new territory of our age with knowledge and skill, commitment and love, praying for faith and courage to dream bold dreams and live up to our creed that we are all created equal, carrying the divine spark within it is our job to fan that spark into a flame of passion so that together we light up the world. Let us begin to give that spark some energy and some oxygen. And now let us hold this moment in silent, taking some deep breaths. So may it be, and amen. Our first reading is by Marianne Williamson, made famous by its inclusion in the South African President Nelson Mandela's 1994 inaugural speech. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light not our darkness that frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we are unconsciously, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Our second reading is a selection of excerpts from, Dr. from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. 
I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. Neither Nelson Mandela nor Martin Luther King Jr. played it small. They saw possibilities few others were able to imagine. They were driven by vision, propelled by their personal commitment and connections. They dreamed big and bold. Their dreams that embraced the possibility and became reality. Both King and Mandela had their heads in the cloud and their feet planted firmly on the ground. Their vision, energy, ideas, and values rocketed around the world, and they are still reverberating. Have you heard about the Martin Luther King comic book written in Arabic that guided the nonviolent protests of the Arab Spring? Today, we want to hold up these two men as models, especially Dr. King, as this is MLK Sunday. But when we attend to the statistics and the stereotypes, maybe we don't think of the lives of black men as being full of positive possibility. When we think about our prison population, stop and frisk, or even what can happen simply walking home from the corner store. We may not think of the lives of young people of color as having the potential to change the world. And yet these men were messiahs among us. Were they treated that way from the time they were little boys? I don't know. Did their parents, teachers, and mentors their communities assumed that they would be great. They were both held to high expectations, I have read. How do we offer the possibility of greatness to our children, all of our children, from every hill and molehill of Mississippi, from Montclair to Orange or Newark, from Bergen County to Camden County. Can we take it another step? What if we thought of the person in the pew next to us as the Messiah, or even of ourselves as having the possibility to change lives, even if only our own? Wouldn't that be a great, a momentous power and possibility. Let's also consider another civil rights leader, 
great, even if she doesn't always get the same kind of billing. Let's look at Rosa Parks, the woman who became the spark, the catalyst for the year-long Montgomery bus boycott, from which sprang the U.S. civil rights movement, a movement that changed the face of our country and opened up possibilities to millions of people opened up possibilities that simply did not exist before. We have all heard the Rosa Parks story. She was tired of discrimination and injustice, and so on December 1st, 1955, she refused to give up her seat on the bus to a white man. But that is actually just a small part of the story. Did you also know that Rosa Parks had been actively, consistently working for justice for 12 years prior to that fateful day? Did you know that she volunteered for the NAACP, serving as the Montgomery, Alabama chapter secretary? That she answered phones and stuffed envelopes? That she was a mentor to teens and organized youth conferences and events? Pay attention, you youth advisors and coming-of-age mentors. She worked hard to develop the integrity and spiritual strength necessary to withstand the horrific possibilities that might lie ahead. She went to trainings and strategy sessions, including a 10-day training in nonviolent protest. She lived a life of faith, a life deeply rooted in her community. Rosa Parks had courage, dignity, and determination, along with wisdom, strategic skill, and passion, great personal qualities, and great personal and political support that made it possible for her vision and dreams, deeply connected to the vision and dreams of those around her, to be realized. In our Soul Matters Covenant Group, we've recently been talking about possibility and grand dreams, but the fact is that it's heroic for some just to put food on the table, just to raise a healthy child by yourself. And I believe that Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King would agree, aren't we all called? We are not all called to be civil rights and human rights leaders but we are all called to something, and it is our responsibility to carry out that call. It is our responsibility to pay attention to our lives, to envision the possibilities therein, and then to put one foot in front of the other, to get one step closer to making that possibility a reality. That is the risk and the promise of dreaming big. In our Covenant Group materials on possibility, I recommended that people watch the movie Fitzcarraldo. It's the story of a man who will do virtually anything and everything to get the money to build an opera house in a Peruvian village where he lives, even if it means finding a way to transport a 320-ton steamship over a South American mountain. 
It's a metaphor, of course. Fitzcarraldo's efforts come to naught, but his ideas raise, but the idea raises for us at least a few questions. What are you so passionate about that you would risk life and limb, money and reputation to achieve? And there's the other question too, would it be worth it even if you failed? Rosalind Carter said, you must accept that you might fail. Then if you do your best and still don't win, at least you can be satisfied that you tried. If you don't accept failure as a possibility, you don't set high goals, you don't branch out, you don't try, you don't take the risk. Did Martin Luther King fail? He didn't achieve full racial equality or end the Vietnam War. Did Bobby Kennedy fail? He didn't end poverty or achieve civil rights for all. How about Lyndon Johnson? Did he fail? He waged a war on poverty, yet today, 50 years later, it remains an intractable problem with many in our country. As King said, they are living on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. Did they take risks? You bet they did. They risked criticism from within their ranks and without. They risked their reputations. They risked their lives, and some even gave their lives. Are we a better country because they lived? You bet we are. They walked hand in hand with that single mother. They walked with the tired seamstress, and they asked for more and expected better. They asked it and expected it from us, from their community, and without question, from themselves. We are living in times that demand our attention. We are once again experiencing the fierce urgency of now. Consider the state of North Carolina, where, as Bill Moyers said, a right-wing governor and legislator is instituting the radical agenda conservatives have dreamed about for the last 40 years. Right now, the Reverend William Barber of the NAACP along with a multi-issue, multi-racial, interfaith coalition, one that includes our own Reverend Cheryl Walker and Unitarian Universalists across the state of North Carolina, are fighting back. They are fired up. They are using every legal, moral, and political tool at their disposal to call their people, their legislators, the governor, and government officials to live out their deepest moral values. They won't stop, says Reverend Barber, until love is lifted and justice is realized. Right now, with all that is going on in North Carolina and in so many other states, what should we be doing? What are the possibilities for us? One is to go down to North Carolina on February 8th and march with them. 
But long term, should we be taking a page out of Rosa Parks' book? Should we be volunteering with organizations that are well organized and share our values? Should we be getting in-depth training to help us face the critical times ahead? Should we be building coalitions of civil and human rights and faith-based organizations, as Reverend Barber is doing? Multi-issue, multi-racial, multi-faith. Shall we strengthen our spiritual lives so that we can call on that internal strength when courage and love call us to stand? Shall we intentionally and mindfully build into our lives the things that allow us to make our impossible dreams take shape and come to life? Reverend Vanessa Southern said it well, standing right here in this pulpit last week. She asked, what are the stories that we tell ourselves that limit our possibilities? What are the I can'ts we tell ourselves that keep our lives small? What stories do we tell about our congregation that keep us from living boldly? Who told us what our lives should look like? Have these messages limited what we think is possible? And as we imagine the possibilities, does their enormity intimidate us, scare us, so that we retreat back into our comfort zones? Possibilities can take us to some uncomfortable places. But, on the other hand, it can also take us to the candy store of options. It can transport us to a childlike joy of life and playfulness that take us beyond any limitations. And when we arrive there, we may find that things will conspire with us to open doors that we cannot even imagine. And possibility can urgently call us to change our perspective, to think and to see outside the proverbial box. If you look on the back of your order of service, you will see two exercises that I hope will tickle your brain to change your perspective a bit, to help you go beyond what others see. I direct your attention there at the risk of losing you for the rest of the service. Do you see an old woman and a young woman just by changing your focus? Okay, and now can you connect the dots using only four straight lines without lifting your pencil? I'll have Marcus project the answer to that uh, tickler next week. But you might, if you find someone who's figured it out, talk with them after the service. By looking at the world in new ways, we open ourselves up to new and greater possibilities. So let's take this a step further. Let's really use our imaginations. 
for a second. Start by thinking about putting yourself into the future. Imagine that you have really succeeded, that you have achieved your most dazzling dream. Think about it. What is that most dazzling dream, that possibility for your life? Do you have that image? Okay. Now imagine that you could write a letter to yourself from that time. The letter would outline the wonderful successes that you have experienced. You could begin the letter with the phrase, I succeeded because. And then you can put in as much detail as you can about how you achieved that remarkable triumph. What would it feel like to write yourself such a letter? Why not try it? And then, what if we wrote these letters and shared them with each other, right here in the congregation? What possibilities would that open up? Shall we try it over the next week? And what if your dazzling success is linked with mine? Wouldn't it be awesome if we found a way to uh, combine our efforts to make each other even more successful than we ever dreamed? For most of us, that level of success, whether singly or together, would probably come with some initial struggle and resistance. As many of us know, It's not easy to accept the possibility of success. And it's even harder to open ourselves to the possibility and vulnerability from learning from someone else's point of view about how their brain works. If we work together, it would really stretch us both. So it would be hard, but wow! What might come of that? It's hard to imagine letting go and living in the flow. It takes courage and trust that doesn't always come naturally, that is sometimes, perhaps often, very hard won. It takes faith to step into possibility. We are already in this river of life a river that we do not control. We just have to decide if we are going to resist, fight, and struggle, or let go and let the river take us to new places and we can enjoy the ride. I heard about an improvisational team of T.J. I'm going to pronounce his name, Jagodowski, and Dave Pasquesi, who talk about improv as a beautiful dare, taking a step forward before the floorboard is even there for you to step upon. I just love that phrase, a beautiful dare. In the book called The Art of Possibility, Rosamund and Benjamin Zander dare us 
to participate fully in our own lives. They give us four instructions. The first is to imagine that everyone you meet is an invitation to give yourself as a possibility to others and to be ready in turn to catch their spark. The second is to stand ready to participate. Be willing to be moved and inspired. Third, offer to others, to the world, that which lights you up. Have no doubt, is the fourth, that others are eager to catch that spark, to feel that energy, to be fully alive along with you. I've learned a great deal from the Xander's book and from the examples of Rosa Parks, Nelson Mandela, and Martin Luther King. One important thing is that possibility is a process. It comes with a series of steps and a few layers to boot. Personal layers of confidence, purpose, mission, vision, and know-how. It requires discipline to stick it out, and it always helps to do it together. Part of reaching our possibility is dissolving this illusion that we call I and transforming it into a we. This art of thinking about possibility is not just blue sky dreaming, it's hard spiritual work to hang in there with our feelings and to accept what is without judgment or blame, without playing the ain't it awful game, but looking at the facts of the situation as it is and having accepted that, ask where do we go from here? Once we can pay attention to the unvarnished truth and can get a bird's eye view of the way things are, we can give way to the passion that burns within us. The Xanders ask us to notice where we are holding back and then to let go. Yikes, that sounds scary to me. To release those barriers of self that keep us separate and offer the illusion of control, to just let the vital energy of passion surge through us, connecting us to all that is. Dancer Martha Graham said, there is a, vital, a vitality, a life force, an energy, a quickening that is translated through you into action. And because there is only one of you in all of time, this expression is unique. And if you block it, it will never exist through any other medium, and it will be lost. The world will not have it. It is not your business to determine how good it is or how valuable, nor how it compares with other expressions. It is your business to keep it yours, clearly and directly, to keep the channel open. 
Possibilities are enhanced when we have a common vision and we do something together. Alone, we are too small and weak to hunt a woolly mammoth, but together we can bring it down and have everything we need to get us through the winter. We are better together. This is what allowed our species to survive when we were neither stronger nor faster than our competitors. We learned how to work together, how to communicate and get the job done. Look at the undreamed possibilities that have come from those fateful origins. One of the beautiful dares in front of us as a congregation is the merger with the Orange Congregation. We have already held many meetings over the last five months, talking about what that would mean. How will we worship? How will we organize ourselves administratively and financially? In these conversations, we have wrestled with ideas and with each other, seeking a way forward. You are invited into that conversation today about what it would mean and how it would work. And these are important conversations, important as we make sure to keep our feet on the ground. But here, on the other hand, are some possibilities we might consider if we allow ourselves to spend some time in the clouds. The possibility that the Orange Congregation would grow and become a strong, multiracial, multicultural, Unitarian Universalist congregation, inclusive of people from all economic levels. That our two congregations would begin dynamic exchanges of culture, informing and enriching our lives, not only with food, music, and art, but with ideas and perspectives on life and how to live and love and share our spiritual beings. That this growing and vibrant congregation would be a powerful force for good and justice in the town of Orange, helping to ensure safe streets and improved education for the children. A key community organization that helps make sure that all people share in the well-being of the community. If, as they say, our attitude and perspective are our choice, then let's choose to invent something that brightens our life and the lives of the people around us. What if we believed in ourselves and each other, that we and they, no matter their age, race, gender, sexual identity, orientation, or perspective on life, have inherent worth and dignity? What if we treat each other and ourselves as a gift? What if we could generously offer ourselves to each other with that perspective, open-handedly, seeing not the scarcity, but the abundance of life all around us? Let us walk through our days together, wondering if we or they are the Messiah. Think what would come of it. Our closing words by Emil Gundmanson. And now may we have faith in life.
May we be bold in bringing to fruition the golden dreams of human kinship and justice. This we ask, that the fields of promise become the fields of reality. And now as we extinguish our chalice, our worship has ended. Let our service begin.